Today's episode of White Sox Business is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. That's all one word, SalvationArmyUSA.org. field people will come and it doesn't happen you have to look at how you're doing business hello and welcome to white Sox business the white Sox podcast that has been stockpiling barrels of oil in its garage for the last few months and is biding its time until the major bounce back makes it wealthy beyond your wildest dreams i'm your host tom fernelli and joining me nude covered in that very same oil is the athletics white Sox reporter james Fegan. on today's show we had a long Interesting, wide-ranging interview with the Athletics Minnesota Twins reporter and our friend Dan Hayes. But before we get to all that, James, I have to know, how are you doing? Because since we last recorded the Lucas Giolito interview last week, it's been nearly an entire week since we were contractually obligated to speak to each other. Uh, I'm, I'm all right. Uh, Tiago didn't play very well against Aston Villa uh, last night. Aston who? How are they pronounced? Is where where is the team located? It's like some fake like European cup. Um, but I'm saying though, at the soccer team that you beat, what country is its home? It, uh, England. And how do they pronounce the L's in England? Aston is it England? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just wanted to make them Italian out of respect to you. <laughs> oh, James. Oh, it's not. It's that the ya isn't Italian either. We don't call it mozzarella. It's Spanish. All right, fine. Jesus. He just wanted to be cooler. Anyway, he was, he was a turnover machine. He couldn't, like... That was probably one of the better defenses he's played, which made me very convinced he's not ready for the Premier League. Yeah. Aston Villa is a real soccer team, whereas Besiktas and Tiago Figan are bitches. <laughs> Apparently. He did have, like, a hockey assist and uh, the one goal of the game, and Aston Villa's attack was pretty horseshit. But other than that... <laughs> Kind of underwhelming. Maybe I shouldn't play at 2.30 in the morning. 2.30 in the morning? <laughs> Just letting off some steam after writing my socks brawl opus. <laughs> wow. I, 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 don't think, I keep trying to figure out when the last time I was still up at 2.30 a.m. was. I was probably playing video games when it happened, though. There you go. Well, it happens, but uh, so that's that's all you've done, really, is write about White Sox fights and play FIFA. Uh, I've eaten, um, <laughs> gotten some takeout. <laughs> ooh, where are you ordering from? Let's let's plug some places in the area. Uh, what did we get yesterday? We got um, I mean, I got a breakfast sandwich last weekend from Smack Dab, which I missed uh, being able to go to, and uh, yesterday I think it was like. Some Mexican place like Fiesta or something like that. I started using the Chow Now app after some reading an article about how Grubhub's commission fees are killing restaurants. So this is like supposed to be better for them. Wow. Eating, but also socially conscious. Yeah. I'm basically uh, up for the Nobel Prize after ordering takeout twice in two weeks. I mean, I didn't, I, I'm not going to call you a hero, but. I've I've heard real heroes don't need it. to be called heroes. Yeah. They just I know. have 
I have heard other people mention that you might be one. So just keep that in mind. Uh, all right. Yeah, we should probably get to our interview with Dan because I actually I don't even want to call it an interview. It's more of a conversation because we really didn't have anything specific to talk about. It was just three people talking for, for I a while. prepared questions. It just seemed like you weren't that interested in asking them. <laughs> I listen. I mean. I usually, when we do interviews, I, I always have a lot of questions prepared. But for Dan, I just felt like, eh, we don't really need to have questions ready for this one. Although that was, I that was apparent. Yeah. <laughs> I do appreciate that you had some ready and you asked a couple of them. Yeah. After about like a half an hour. After like the first <laughs> half hour, we actually start talking to him about the twins. But you should still listen to the first half hour because, you know, we, we talk about a whole lot of things. It's a very wide ranging conversation about life, love, and baseball. So, yeah. Let's let's get to that right now. Is this your second or third time, Dan? Oh, is it my third? I don't it's, know. It's, it's at least second. your second. Yeah. yeah, I think we did one in the season. I think we did one right during the middle of the Twins getting their asses kicked in the playoffs. Well, yeah. So for the, at least the second time, maybe the third. I don't know. We've all done things that cause our memories to shorten. Uh, the Athletics Minnesota Twins reporter, former White Sox beat reporter, Daniel Hayes. Dan, how are you? I'm good. I can't believe I got suckered into coming back. I'm not sure what I was thinking, but I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we are at the point where we're doing so many podcasts during the week with absolutely nothing to talk about that. We're inviting you back on the show. <laughs> I wondered what the uh, motivation <laughs> was. <laughs> it's uh, it's about that time. I mean, what are we? We're all we're all within uh, a ten mile radius of each other right now, and I'm so guessing- you're stay you're you're back in Chicago for the whole quarantine type. Oh yeah. Yeah, my uh, my short stint in Vegas. Uh, I decided to. Uh, I was there like as the tournaments were all shutting down. I was supposed to go to the Pac-12 tournament, and uh, I was gonna go watch some basketball. And that's the uh, last place I was. I, at least I was in like a remote uh, place on the farthest reaches of the earth, and nobody was. You know, it's not like anybody's in Vegas as a uh, as a mass pandemic is uh, coming down. So I was in a really safe healthy spot and i decided to escape back to chicago and how, how how are you handling it how are you how are you keeping yourself busy what what's going on i've lost like 15 pounds walking. no shit yeah yeah it's uh I'm, I'm pretty sure i've gained 15 pounds because of this thing well that tells you what baseball uh beat life and james can attest to this does to you um when you work all night and wake up like at noon um it, basically it's not very healthy for you. So I'm not even doing all that much to stay healthier. I'm like probably eating a little bit healthier, but we're just walking every day, like five and a half, six miles. And basically between eating a little healthier and walking every day, I've lost like 15 pounds, which is insane. So six miles. No shit. That's a lot of walking. Where it's are like you walking? 90 minutes um, in the neighborhoods around me. Like uh, we live uh, right where the blue line ends and, uh, so there's a lot of like big houses and big streets that are empty uh, just to the north of us. A much better neighborhood than the one I live in, but uh, uh, it's very easy to uh, access and walk around, and uh, and it's it's comfortable. It's not like we're walking right next to each other. In fact, we get pissed when we see somebody about a half a block away, meaning we have to switch sides of the road. Oh, doesn't so. that suck? Because like I. <laughs> I'm not doing nearly as much walking as I used to simply because like right before all this happened, my dog had ACL surgery. 
So she's still in like the recovery period from it where I'm not supposed to be taking her for really long walks. So whereas I used to take her for like an hour long walk or so now I'm doing like 20, 25 minute walks and we're pretty much just staying in our little neighborhood here. Like I'm walking up and down streets going a couple blocks away, but yeah. So maybe that's part of the reason. James, how much walking are you doing on a daily basis? Uh, very little. We are probably, I'm obviously just doing a better job of, you know, social distancing by just not leaving my apartment for days on end. Um, I, I lost like five pounds in early going, but I'm pretty sure it's just lost muscle mass because I stopped working out. <laughs> You've um, just been withering away on the couch yeah. while playing FIFA. <laughs> so like the diet hasn't like, it's probably gotten worse because there's less structure to the day. I feel like, um, I mean, I lost all my weight last season and as, as much as it was difficult and as much as like they literally just pile up like, pretzels uh as, as high as the ceiling across ballparks all over the like the country um having at least a structure and rhythm of the day kind of made it easy to install what my plan was and now it's just like uh i random hours stretching on that all resemble each other it's been long enough um uh, i could justify um <laughs> ordering out because i'm supporting the community or something like that and uh eating some takeout food and Go, going back to what you were saying, though, Dan, about like seeing people while walking, it's strange because there there really is like a new hierarchy that's forming or like a new kind of, I don't know, like if, if you're watching a nature show, like when like you see like the alpha in the pack or like oh. animals fighting for mates, it's like you kind of, you're kind of playing chicken waiting to see who's going to get off the sidewalk <laughs> or cross the street. And it's kind of, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not leaving. You leave. Hey, I have a lot of disdain for single people, single runners who refused to get off the sidewalk. Oh, like get I in the fucking street. Yeah, exactly. And if also, you're running, also, if you are over like 10 years old and you're riding your bike on the sidewalk, oh. I will fucking hip check you. I don't <laughs> care. Like you get like the people that I give leeway to are older couples. I'm, I'm fine with us moving and people with dogs and small children walking. I will get out of their way. But if I have that street first and it's in, uh, we're walking towards you, and we've established position. I'm not. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw an elbow. I'll, I'll get in there and hip. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny because these are long blocks, and uh, you encounter people two or three times a block. And uh, it, there's four lanes now. Um, there's there's the inside street. There's the other inside street, and then there's both both sidewalks. And man, uh, it's kind of funny though. It is. It is entertaining to observe social distancing from this because you can tell who really gets into it and who doesn't even pay attention. And the uh, the person that's walking the dog paying attention to the cell phone and just stands and oh, stops yeah. and stands. Oh, get out of my way. <laughs> I had a guy the other day. Like, I'm sitting there. I've got, you know, the mask on. I got all that shit. I, I'm clearly in full, you know leave me the hell alone mode which is the mode i'm always in anyway when i'm on a walk but now yeah, but now there's mask. more like there's built-in social guidelines too yeah. which is nice so, so i mean for me socially this has been the best thing that's ever happened but <laughs> this guy is walking his dog and like i'm trying to get out of the way like i'm i'm getting off the sidewalk i'm going to the curb i'm getting it like pretty much in the street and this guy stops and he's like like do you want do you do you want to play our dogs to play and i'm like no <laughs> Like, what part of a person walking away from you as you get closer made you think that, yeah, let's be friends and play? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? But I think I think what you said, though, is a good 
baseline. Like if you turn a corner to go down a street and there's another person that's already halfway down the street, you're the one that gets out of the way if you want yeah. to stay on that side of the street. I think yeah. that's that's a good hard and fast rule. But I don't think everybody plays by my rules, so it's uh you just gotta roll with it. It's funny that this is what keeps us entertained during the pandemic. It's been, like, it's been a big time for really dirty looks that are absolutely absolutely never gonna be followed up on because you're not gonna go <laughs> fight somebody or get in their face. I can't I don't want to punch you and get the Rona. I mean, <laughs> shit. But I think, you know, we're all we're all looking for content. Maybe that's the content. We'll do the guidelines of walking on the sidewalk. The rules and regulations. Or what's the, uh, who is the person that wrote, like, the the manner rules, like, you know, polite manners, like the society rules? Who was that? Who was the name of the person in back in the day who wrote that book? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. James, you're supposed to know things. That's your role on this show. The Earl of Sandwich? I don't there know. There we go. The Earl of Sandwich. <laughs> Back when the Earl of Sandwich wrote those rules, we should we should rewrite those so that way people have a guideline to follow when walking that leaves things to be a little less awkward. But this is the suburb edition for sure because uh, talking to friends that live in the city, there's just not this kind of space. I'm sure people in the city would be like, what are you talking about? There's like somebody every couple feet. Oh, yeah. Them. Yeah. No, so. for sure. I mean, and it got worse too. Like when it first started – you know, like in the lakefront was still open. Yeah. Every, like all the runners and the people riding their bikes and all that stuff were still all going to the lakefront. But once they closed that down, the neighborhood was just, it's, it's a minefield. It's, it, there's, there's people on every street. Yep. And it's not even warm yet. Like it's consistent. Wait, wait. <laughs> well, the wait first for day a it hit weeks. 60. Oh. Holy shit. Yes. It was insane. And we've been doing it the whole time. Like I've, I looked at the health monitor on my foot, uh, my, uh, my phone. And like we've consistently, there was one day of rain, like maybe March 18th, um, somewhere around there. But that was the only day we'd done less than four miles in in this span. And we're, you know, there have been a couple seven mile days and stuff like that. And um, so even when it's 32, we've been going just because it's one thing to keep me sane um, without, you know, it's the one thing in the daily routine other than eating that like there's to do. And so it's been nice, um, but when it gets warm, man, it is going to get ugly out there. I'm yeah. going to have to, I, there's going to be some teenagers. They're going to end up uh, getting some really dirty looks for sure. <laughs> Dan's going to get arrested for beating up some 14 year old punk. <laughs> the thing I'm checking out now and result of, in light of Dan saying, uh, he's been ru- walking six miles a day is, uh, what his story count is this month. <laughs> <laughs> It's been about two a week, James. Thanks for uh, bringing that up. It's man. The well, I was up is... till two a.m. last night, like writing about a twenty-year-old brawl. So I feel like I haven't had like this wealth of time that the quarantine is yeah. supposed to have provided. I'm working on. Uh, I gotta get the story going because I still I just like finished an interview with the uh, with all on name drop. I just did an interview with Tori Hunter like 10, 20 minutes ago, and Oof. we're doing the. Uh, the, how the twins who were supposed to be contracted no to knocked out the Moneyball A's um, in the playoffs that year, and that's it's probably been one of my favorite things like that I've worked on this this entire time. Because uh, James, I'm sure you felt it too. There's just some things you're like, why am I writing this right now? Like, what am I doing? And and it's it's some of the news related stuff has been the the hardest because um, we know it's going to be a while till till there's baseball. And it's like the news 
even five minutes ago goes out the window and does not matter, especially at the start of this when when guys were talking about trying to stay in shape and stuff. You know, that was five weeks ago doing that stuff, and you could just tell people had no idea what was what was coming and and how far this was going to be at the time. And it's been kind of weird, kind of trying to produce content throughout this. And I, I think that me and Tom should definitely co-author a. Uh, <laughs> about the social distancing rules of engagement and, and walking in the suburbs. Cause that would be probably one of the more enjoyable things I get to write. I mean, yeah, I, I, I might actually do it now. I should I'm just fucking bored. I, you should just give me a hat tip on Twitter. Once, uh, once the draft is over and we become like really desperate. I know. Content. Man, I mean, NFL has been so key in this last couple of weeks here. I, who was it? somebody? So I saw somebody tweet earlier that like the NFL draft has been like a stimulus package for sports writers <laughs> since it's all started. Yeah. So I mean, is you talked to Tory Hunter? Who I I don't know who that is. I don't remember him. I've never heard of him. It's a story about the murder of Jamie Burke. <laughs> <laughs> the story is not about the murder of Jamie Burke. Um, but Remains I unsolved, I guess. It's all cool. Like, there's some really cool things you get to uncover. Like, um, apparently, David Ortiz, and I, I found out this hasn't been published. I was really excited about that. David Ortiz convinced Terry Ryan, Brad Radke, who was the game one starter, um, and Dave St. Peter, who's their president, that Ortiz knew how to get to the Open Call Sam from San Francisco on BART. And so he led them. And, um, <clears throat> Apparently about 50 minutes before game one, Brad Radke, Terry Ryan are walking through the parking lot because David Ortiz nearly led them to Sacramento uh, and got them lost on the BART. And then the Twins go out and make like three errors in game one. They fall behind 5-1 in that game and they rally and they win. And I mean, they, they win the series and um, there's some really cool stuff that like you find out about it talking because, you know, at the time I lived in San Diego I was a huge Giants fan. I was about to graduate from college. Um, and and so I really didn't know all that much about that team. And it's kind of fun to dive back in and do these stories. And I'm, I, I'm guessing like the brawl, James, like you watched it, I'm sure. And you were here and or were you in uh, Indiana at the time? I was 12 years old. So I was, yeah. I was here. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Something I forget. You know, I spent like. I should be a doctor with how much time I spent in college. Um, <laughs> I am. I'm a doctor of bullshit, actually. But uh, <clears throat> I forget how much older I am than you, James. But um, well, it's because like, James has, you know, James is like 55. If we're being honest, well, yeah, yeah, no, okay. <laughs> the age on the the birth certificates is one thing, but add 20 years for sure. Yes. But uh, but like diving back into these things is really entertaining, especially when everybody, for the most part, has a lot of time on their hands, um, like. Didn't you talk to Canerco for your story? Yeah, yeah. I talked to Canerco for like 35 minutes. He was just... He only was asked like, him one question. <laughs> <laughs> but like I made a joke in the article about how his favorite site is like hockeyfights.com was like an answer that he put in the 2009 White Sox program. But he really was like a connoisseur of it. Like <laughs> he was really breaking down like the logic behind starting the fight and um, like... He kind of just like talked about like fights of the last ten years that he really admired. He's a big big fan of Amir Garrett in Pittsburgh last year. Oh, that was a uh, great one. He's just clearly very enthusiastic, and he wasn't even like the top guy like throwing punches, but he just like appreciates 
he just re- clearly really enjoys a good brawl because like I mean, Bob Howery and uh, Bill Seamuson uh, had really good careers, and, and Parquet had a good year that year before he got hurt. But like, they're they're kind of like they were they're not like household names. Like Canerico is a star, and clearly just wanted like was just excited to talk about brawls. So yeah. his his enthusiasm was infectious. That by far like the the only thing I didn't like about Canerico interviews was transcribing them afterwards, <laughs> <laughs> because he would go in eight different directions on the same question because that's the way his mind work and is fascinating. And I love like, and you know, I, I got there in 2012 midway. In fact, I got there about a month after he was hitting 399. Um, I, I think I came in and they were like a game back at the time. And it was like mid to late June. So I looked at the stats that year because he had that incredible start to the season. So he went and, into the tank right after you arrived. He did. What you're saying. He did. Oh man. <laughs> The numbers that well, Paul well, Canerco's well. career uh, that he produced while I was a beat writer were like the worst of his career, and I always, <laughs> I, I, it was me, it was me, I was the jinx. But uh, he, uh, like, I, his interviews, especially in that 2014 season when he was kind of um, smelling the roses as he went along, was so amazing because he's such a a, a great observer, and I do think he would make a if he had the patience for it and if he really wanted to, I think he'd be a really good coach. Uh, just the way he watches the game is is different and it's obvious. And, um, and you know, he's just a, a really smart dude. But, man, he was fun to interview for sure. Well, he's, he's coaching perfect. his kids, yeah. He's perfect for the brawl story because, like, his narrative was basically, like, the scene in Saving Private Ryan where the bomb goes off near Tom <laughs> Hanks and he's just, like, looking at stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all his, ears, his ears are ringing he's just like talking about all these absurd images he like walked past of like the white Sox like super wholesome fourth outfielder like brawling with the tigers first base coach and just like just like thinking to himself like what the hell is happening here today and and then just like tom hanks's character in saving private ryan dan hayes comes around and kills him <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know it's really crazy. Is I I was literally playing Call of Duty World War Two last night, and the first <coughs> thing is the the beach scene. So, uh, <laughs> are I, you streaming? I'm not streaming. I don't do that. Well, that's I, that's the thing everybody's doing now. It used to be everybody started a podcast, but now that everybody has a podcast, everybody's streaming on Twitch. I know. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. Hey, watch this middle aged sports writer play video games. <laughs> check it out he's got terrible jokes and he uh sucks at video games i think that has there's got to be a big market for that uh if i can get my dad to figure out how to use twitch (laughs) i have watched lucas giolito play baseball on twitch that's different yeah i did that last night but there was also a time before the giolito thing started where like at the early part of this quarantine where i was so desperate for sports i was going on twitch and watching people play fifa (laughs) James, do you have a Twitch? No, I do not. Um, you know what we should do, James? We should arrange because Trevor May is like an esports. I mean, like he, he right. probably will make more money in esports than he will, and he's made good money in baseball so far. But he'll probably make more money overall in esports because he's got like he owns a because scouting service. It'll, it'll actually happen again, as opposed to baseball. Yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's my eternal optimist we should get giolito and uh 
and Trevor May to do like an Olympics. Like they play seven different games and uh, see who comes out. That way we get some White Sox twins action uh, during this uh, during this quarantine. No, that's bullshit. Because you just said Trevor May is going to be like an esports professional. Now you want him to go like embarrass Lucas Giolito in public? No, I see what he's you're a, doing. He's a son of a video game developer. He's not so? like a you know Johnny Come Lately. <sighs> I don't know. Could I be, don't know. Could be a uh, and and I live now. Now I mean everybody knows I'm a turncoat. Like you go on Twitter and you look <laughs> at the, I'm a turncoat. I, I I went from the White Sox to the Twins. I'm I'm like. It's funny how people, uh, some people assume that, and it's like, no, I just wanted a paycheck and benefits. <laughs> I've I've watched Geo play Valorant too, James, and you know he's good, but he's not like professional good. You know what yeah. I mean? He's he's like you know rec league good. He went three and zero last night, beat the I, Dodgers. Man, well, oh, I think don't finally. you think James that we could we could organize this and. Uh, Maybe we can get producer credits at the back back end of it. Uh, I, I well, you said the word I heard was action, so I just assumed we were going to be bookies on the side. Uh, well, yeah, that bets. too. We'll we'll no, run no, the casino. We'll we'll uh, man the cameras, but I feel like we could get a World Series between the two of them, and uh, or maybe just a a lengthy series to determine the division winner. What do you think? Sure, I mean, why not? I'll watch it. <laughs> I, won't, I mean, I mean, what the hell else is there to do? Like, I got to do something between episodes of The Last Dance, right? <laughs> I have to start watching that. I haven't even started watching it yet. Oh, it's good. I mean, for me, it's like just, you know, reliving my late childhood. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it's really good. I, I James, oh, go ahead. It sounds amazing. I mean, what, nine? Is it nine episodes or is it eight it's episodes? It's ten episodes. It's. So they're doing five weeks, two episodes each on Sunday. James, how old were you when all that stuff was happening? Um, I mean, I turned 11 in May of 98, so I was 10 for most of it. So you don't re- – I mean, like, you were too young for the early part of it. What, for what of early the, part? Of the dynasty, I mean. The first, like, title I remember them winning, like, watching the game was 92. Like, I was obviously extremely into it, but – I remember uh, my favorite one, and I was like, I had to be 15. It was the year they took down uh, the Lakers. I loved that because I hated the Lakers. I was a huge Warriors fan. I mean, in retrospect, I love that Showtime Lakers team. Those guys were like legends, but I hated the Lakers because they just always crushed the Don Nelson Warriors who could score with anybody but couldn't defend. Like, I think the three of us could probably play more defense combined than don nelson's teams ever did <laughs> yeah but they were fun though they were having so, having oh. played pickup ball with beat writers at the gm meetings uh <laughs> i'm gonna say no I why why would defend. you bring that up why would you even acknowledge that hellscape well you're like talking about like what defense we could play and after like you know giving up something like a 95 true shooting percentage to tim brown of yahoo sports <laughs> i don't think i can like say i'm gonna like stop steven jackson or something like that's that's a good point but yeah man run tmc warriors were so much fun um like run tim brown yes there was a warriors game i think they beat the nuggets and it might have been the season opener in the run tmc era i think it was 162 to 156 um and that was uh 
it's, I'm Googling it right now. 152 or 162 to 158. Defensive the- slugfest. Yeah. I think Tim Brown had a field goal made for every age, for every year older than me that he is. <laughs> there was there was a point where you and I played went heads up for a little while. And that was yeah. that was some athletic basketball right there. Let me tell you. When the t- there's some blows to the head for sure. <laughs> See that that's the reason you think that James is a lot older than he is. You saw him play basketball. <laughs> Good point. Good point. I mean, I wasn't lacking for speed or athleticism. It was just like uncoordinated. Hey, so check you- out the wait, check out this line from that game. Uh Tim Hardaway had thirty two points, eighteen assists. And he was like, uh, Mitch Richmond had 29, Chris Mullen had 38. Um, so the the big three in that game scored 99 points out of the 162 of the Warriors. Mm-hmm. November 2, Sounds 1990. Right. Sounds right for those teams. Yeah. Dan, out of professional obligation to ask. Uh, oh, yeah, how we're the doing twins? an interview. <laughs> how are the Twins? Um, they're going to be really good. Um, are they? You know, they're one of those teams that um, not quite the Dodgers, the way the Dodgers would be hurt by the uh, the shutdown if there was no season. But the Twins would have to be up there because between Nelson Cruz getting a year older at a time when he can't afford another year. And he um, hit the market, right? Yeah, he'd be a free agent. Although I'm going to make a solid prediction that he will never – I'm going to say he's going to finish his career with the Twins unless he wanted to keep going to an absurdly old age. Like like if he was like at 46 trying to be you know, playing and, and had no business being on the field, he might end up moving on. But I have a feeling Nelson Cruz will end his career in the Twins uniform. They love him. Um, I too will predict the 40-year-old guy will finish his career with whatever team he's currently on. <laughs> well, he doesn't turn 40 until July 1. So he's only going to turn so 40 day. like on opening day. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, no, it, it'll be interesting to see what – they had a good vibe going. And Josh Donaldson will be interesting. I, You know, you wonder about um, like he's – how is he going to hold up over the course of this four-year contract? I think years of one and two – should be pretty good for the Twins, and their infield defenses could get so much better with him at third and shifting. You know, you put him at the hot corner, and and that definitely takes the pressure off of that side, and probably shores up the rest of the defense a lot better. Because there were times last year their middle infield defense was just atrocious, um, and and I think taking putting him there and moving Polanco over a little bit and giving him some more flexibility to play up the middle. Should help them a lot on some of that stuff, but uh, they they looked like they were going to be a lot of fun this year. I mean, man, we must have gained as beat writers more new incredible quotes, and I was really looking forward to it from that part. I mean, Rich Hill is a treasure trove of quotes. Um, Donaldson was solid. Um, trying to, I mean, they they added a bunch of Alex Avila. I got to reunite with him and. The best part about that was kind of going over the, the, 2016, the 2016 sucks. The 2016 shit show in progress. My goodness. Uh that was like the first day. I, I couldn't even wait. Like we brought up some old stuff and I was like, Do you remember this? And he just smiled and didn't wanna didn't want to dive in on it. But you know, during the course of a season, I'm sure that would have come up a lot. Um but there were just so many interesting guys they added. 
around that that was going to make it a, a intriguing year. And, and beyond that, obviously the White Sox got better. And that was going to be, this is right now probably saving us four hours a night for those 18, 19 matchups. Cause my goodness, who's going to get an out in that series? Like who's going to actually want to pitch White Sox twins? Um, it's going to be the new Yankees and Red Sox for those lineups and uh, home runs. So, uh, but beyond that, you know, I talked to Garden Hire for the 2002 story, and he said he thought the Tigers were going to be better just by adding a few players. And Jeez, what's the alternative? Oh, yeah, you're right. That, that's that's probably bad news for the front office. You're going to be like, wait, what? No, we're not trying to do that. <laughs> we're trying to be worse. We need to get so They could win 15 pick. more games and still pick first. True, true. Uh, my interpretation, and correct me if I'm wrong, because we literally have you on to correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> was that the Twins would be a team that would probably uh, not mind or benefit a little maybe from a partial season. The fact that you had Rich Hill coming back uh, midway was the plan, and I think Buxton was still rehabbing in spring training. So, like, catching them midseason with all those those guys being like back, they'd be fully loaded maybe in a way that they wouldn't be and, you know, yeah. if we were playing right now. But as a if a full season was canceled – this was a team that had started to really load up for the short, short term, the idea that their window was right now, and that would maybe sting a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Buxton could have made it back. It would have been really close. He was he was supposed to start playing spring training games right around March 15th. Um, so it would have been a tight window. It would have been only like 10 days of games, and that might have been something where they started him on the, the DL to open the season, but it would have been a brief DL stint, I imagine. Um but yeah, definitely they're benefiting with Rich Hill. Um, you know, if they were to say start on um, June fifteenth, you know that's right around when he's supposed to be ramping up. So it'll be interesting to see with with that. And you're definitely right, though. I mean, this is a team that went out and got Josh Johnson for four years and probably overpaid on the back end, knowing that this next two years was kind of that window. Um, you got, you know, they, they loaded up the bullpen where they, they brought back Romo. They got Tyler Clippard. They didn't go overboard, but I mean, they have enough hard throwers. Neither long-term type of signings. I would, I would take it. Right, right. Exactly. So you, you look across the board and I mean, they didn't have to do much on the position side. They had to replace Jason Castro and they got Alex Avila. Um, you know, it wasn't like there was a lot of huge tweaks that needed to be made, but I actually liked the rotation. Um, even if they did 162, because Dobnak show Randy Dobnak, the uh, the Uber driver was your boy. He's a dude, man. He's a good dude. But uh, anyways, he uh, he was looking really good in spring, and he's you know probably sort of like one of those pitchers that's a, a throwback where he's not gonna get a ton of strikeouts. He's gonna have a whip that's a little bit higher, but he works fast and he gets everyone involved. Um, like Radke, you know, not overwhelming stuff, but just knows how to pitch. Like Burley, I'm not going to compare him as far as uh, longevity or anything like that, but but those kind of guys that players love to work for because that's what he did down the stretch last year was pitch fast games and keep everyone involved. And he was having a really good spring um, and, and knows what he had to do. And, and Homer Bailey, if you look what he did with Oakland, now he he's a guy who finally got healthy again and was figuring out um, 
how to use his split better in better counts and where to throw it better. He he just changed his ways. And his FIP was like three six seven in Oakland, and he ended up with like a four three ERA with the A's. But they were really excited about what he was going to bring, and um, he was too. And I went in expecting a guy that was kind of a hard interview, um, and he he is tough, but he uh, he's really sharp. And I don't know when you're when that's your four and your five behind the rest. That was going to be a good team, um, and it obviously still can be. But for a one sixty two that started in March, I, I thought they were probably even better than they were last year. So um, they definitely will be hurt from this if uh, if there is no season. I still think there was going to be a season. I've heard a lot of – talk to people, and, and the it sounds like some of the conversations have started to shift from not when, but – or not if, but when. And so who knows? I mean, we may be doing the same thing. Uh, covering it from the couch because I don't know how we're going to be involved in going yeah, to that, that Arizona. It doesn't seem like that'd be their top priority as far as like <laughs> maintaining the perfect quarantine. It's like, well, let's make sure we get the beat writers here. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, well, I mean, because the beat writers of America are typically some of the cleanest, most, you know, reliable. Never, go, never going to CD locations after <laughs> yeah, games either. No. Hey, I've bathed before one o'clock at least twice during this pandemic. So. <laughs> You mentioned Mark Burley. Uh, is we, we all know we're all very familiar with Mark Burley and his career. But would you say, Daniel, that Mark Burley is somebody that got by his entire career on guts and guile? Uh, God damn it! <laughs> I never covered Mark Burley. I actually missed him by uh, by six months. Um, so you missed him being crafty with no talent. Man, that guy had an amazing career, didn't he? Yeah, for a guy that only had cunning and guile, right, James? This isn't this isn't nice. This is what friends do. <laughs> Try to trigger people on unrecorded podcasts. <laughs> if, I'm if, staying out I'm of sure, this. I'm sure have you Dan, you've heard his burly rants, right? I have not heard his burly rants. Oh, James, tell tell Dan your thoughts about the way people talk about Mark Burley. I get the inclination to kind of glorify him on this, like, make him relatable as, like, this everyman champion. And so a lot of degrees, he was. He wasn't someone who had a lot of, like, star player affectations. But I get irritated at the idea that he, like, did more with less. And obviously the velocity is, like, the thing that's primarily scouted. <coughs> and that's why he was drafted so low. And so he definitely has, like, kind of an underdog background. But it the... When it goes to the level of his entire extremely successful 15-year or something major league career, it's just based off him um, you know, transcending his raw talent. It ignores the fact that like he has elite, elite fastball command and like a 70-grade changeup. Yeah. And these are like two things like we cover baseball all the time, know that like guys are constantly trying to improve their fastball command. And that a changeup is something that like you have a feel for or you don't to like a very high degree. Like those are two like qualities in pitching that are very very hard to improve. And as much as like it's hard to have naturally like as much as like it's a god given talent to like be able to throw a hundred miles an hour. There are some guys who can boost up their velocity a little bit with some mechanical changes. There there are some guys who can boost their command uh, and they're you know develop a changeup a little bit with with some tweaks. But it's really not something you can go from like thirty or forty grade to 80 grade very easily like michael kopech hardest working dude in the world 
is never going to have 80 grade fastball command, and he's never going to have a 70 changeup. Like, never. It's never going to happen. Just like Mark Burley's never going to throw 100. So to kind of just put this guy in this box of saying, like, he's like some guy who walked out of a bar and is just, <laughs> you know, happens to be pinpointing uh, <laughs> locations in, in the strike zone at, a, like, an elite major league level, it it's it, I get the inclination of it, but I think the impl- I, I, the implication that you give that you know he just happened to you know be a star pitcher, um, I, it kind of disrespects some of the talent that like Mark Burley has. Well, like, he's eighty grade fielder too, and that is right, a position. and that's from athleticism. That's not just like no exactly. one else gives a shit. Exactly. No, I know, and that's uh, it's funny the comparison came up because uh, part of this I got to talk to AJ. Um, uh, Kurzinski about that 2002 Twins team. That was his first postseason, and he went seven for 16. And he had that big home run um, in Game Five. The Twins were winning two to one through eight in Oakland, and he hit a two-run homer. And uh, but he said that people have asked him who his favorite pitcher to throw to was over the years, and he's like, everybody assumes is is Burley, and he said, yeah, of course it was Burley. Um, especially because he caught him through this amazing part of his career, and and was, you know, a part of some pretty great uh, great games. But he said Brad Radke was very similar to Burley, and he loved catching him. the The fast worker who, you know, Radke had a ninety mile per hour fastball, but he knew exactly where to throw it, and his changeup was elite. And and when you talk about those guys and how much you can do with, you know, Greg Maddox had amazing velocity for the first couple of years. But then it was just movement of the fastball and knowing how to throw it and like and and knowing how to mix speeds and like there's that 80 mind that goes with it and all you need is is one or two great things to put it all together and you don't have to be dominant. But of course there's a lot of 70 and 80 grade areas of those those players because you aren't gonna exist in the majors off, off guts and guile. And now I see why Tom got uh, was got you worked up on this because it's uh, he, he usually gets a lot angrier. I can tell. I know. I know when he hits that level. I've I've seen it. I worry that this quarantine is 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 calming our boy down. <laughs> Don't worry. All we're gonna have to do is sit through a four hour game where Michigan is on the uh, TV <laughs> in the. Uh, <laughs> And the anger will come back. <laughs> well, that that lends into my like the question I had on is that what um, what element of beat writing do you miss being able to be grumpy about? Oh man, um, I'm gonna go with uh, the foof questions from. <laughs> that is the thing I miss. Are you gonna the define most. foof for the audience? Foof is people who don't who are. Uh, looking for um, they offer bad questions uh, they are not there every day and asking questions and they jump uh, a lot of times they jump in front of uh, people who know exactly what to really ask or at least have a semblance of what to ask I don't know my, I'm, I'm totally botching this but um, there's a lot of bad questions to get asked over the course of 162 games um, and not all of them are from us <laughs> But uh, I think that I miss that the most is getting upset with uh, some of the terrible part of the media's questions. There is a portion of the media that totally lives up to the uh, 
when when media gets crap on a national level, uh, there is a portion of the media that definitely deserves some of that. Totally crap. has it coming. <laughs> there is. <laughs> well, like you, you mentioned, people not being there. I feel like the more the more often that you're not there, very often the more likely that you are coming in with a very distinct purpose of what yes. you feel like you should get and what your story is going to be and not like and I'm now I need around a quote. and try to feel out what's happening, but yes. I'm going to ask you this question that is basically the lead of uh, my article or my stand-up. I'm stand going up, to lead the witness here. <laughs> and I'm going to try to get out from you for as soon as possible, and then I'm going to try to get out. And yes. so... Oh, so brutal. I, I, you know what? It's funny. Some, most times my first question is by far the dumbest. Um, but it's also with a purpose to like get into a conversation and get the good stuff eventually. Because, you know, it, you made a joke the other day with, uh, on Catillo's auction about my autograph style, uh, way back. And, um, no, I did not talk up players then, but damn, if I don't do it now. And it's fun because you get some really good stuff when you get someone going and it leads to a lot of transcription, but there are some gems you can get when you really get a guy talking. And sometimes I purposely ask the dumbest thing in the world to get someone to laugh and lighten up at the start. Um, and it's, it's effective because you get someone more comfortable with you right away and they tend to open up and that's hard to do sometimes. And so I am not above asking dumb stuff early, but uh, the, Go for the jugular to get my my uh, my my quote to get my key, um, and then we both worked in TV, so we both know where that comes from. The lack of feel from some of these people that we work with is uh, astounding. Well, like it, it comes off really dumb, but I, you know, the first question of a guy after a game being like, "So how did that feel?" But I really don't want to guide the direction of what he's right. gonna say until i get a feel for how he i re, I really do want to get a feel before i start like digging in because and it, it used to always crack me up about um um last season because we had a von nova there and von nova's played for the yankees is a long veteran guy but everyone there had been covering a rebuild for the last couple of years and you know talking about like meaningful long-term takeaways from lucas giolito in the middle of like the 2018 season where he's getting hammered every night and, and used to like basically talking about like six inning, six runs allowed, and be like, "Well, you log some innings, right?" And, and so people are frequently like asking Ivan Nova, like, "Well, you, you got to be happy that you uh, ate some innings for your team." He's like, and "He'd be like, what are you talking about? I got hammered." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like we lost. <laughs> are you guys crazy? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's some amazing um, things that get brought up. So yes. Asking even even as basic as it is, asking uh, how someone felt, you usually get something that you can pick up on and build off of that. And like you hear one thing from them, and there's your there's your interview. Like as long as they're willing to play along, you you pick up. Oh well, you know I felt pretty good about my fastball command, and then you go with a question based off that some observation. It's uh, I don't miss the scrums too much, but um, man. Yet, same time, I, I will never take them for granted when we get back, whenever that is. Well, often, like, the scrums can be very general, but they give you, like, the inkling that you follow up on on a one-on-one interview later. And yep. then your one-on-one interview that you have later is a lot less searching and him thinking you're an idiot and yes. a lot more kind of laser-targeted about 
what you, what you think the gist is. Exactly. So you kind of steal uh, story ideas from your colleagues. Who- oh. James, what percentage of players do you think think you're an idiot? Uh, current roster, probably 30%. <laughs> yeah, that's where I am. I might be even higher at 50%, but it's it's fine. I, I don't even think about that stuff. Right, well, uh, my my final question is, can you talk about how you feel was the dumbest question you ever asked a player? Oh, man. Can you talk about... God, I don't miss that <laughs> phrase at all. I don't. And I feel bad when I... I looked it up. Um, me, and a, me and a college buddy. Um, so there's a former beat writer. Now he's the, the Rockies AAA announcer. His name's Josh Sushan. And he went to San Diego State just like uh, I did. And he... In 2002, the Harvard of Southern California, it, it's Harvard on the Hill, um, actually, but he, uh, he wrote a book cause he covered Barry Bonds, uh, 73 home run season. So he wrote a book about it and that gave my assistant sports editor and I, who were both grew up diehard giants fans, a reason on spring break to go up and interview him. And we got credentialed. We, we actually went over it. We found, I still have the credentials like. April 6th, 02, um, we found the credential. I looked at – somebody found the story because all three of us are still friends. And uh, one of the questions that my assistant sports editor said was, can you talk about – and this is a Q&A that we just published. And so right there in the middle of it was, can you talk about this? And I told the assistant sports editor that we had uncovered the story and his first reaction was, burn it. Oh my God, I don't even want to know. And I sent it to him anyways. And there's like, can you talk about the worst? God, get rid of that. <laughs> if that phrase could be muted from my head forever, that'd be awesome. James, do you have a final final question for Daniel? Um late at like night, maybe when you're like lying in, in bed, like <laughs> uh, not ready to do sleep. Do you think yet. of do, me? Do you, do you think of me? <laughs> Uh, I miss getting beers, but uh, no, I don't think of you, James. Uh, maybe, maybe if I had suffered a terrible loss in FIFA, um, that'd be about the only way you'd be in my head. But uh, oh, oh wow, <laughs> Basikus has not lost in months. I'll have you know. Well, good for Basikus. All right, well, Dan, thanks. Seriously, it's been we've we've kept you for quite a while. You've got your own show. To go record here soon. And then you've got, of course, your six-mile walk to take at I some do. point this afternoon. So You weren't walking during this? <laughs> I should have, huh? That would have been a It's really called good. efficiency. Look it up. Anyways, <laughs> but seriously, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, helping us out. And uh, hopefully, you and James will be reunited in a press box soon. And if you are, I will make sure to get credentialed for that game just so I could show up and ask dumb questions before you do. Sounds sounds awesome. I, I hope so, too. It'd be great if we all got to actually do our jobs uh, for real at some time soon. So thanks for having me on, guys. It was a lot of fun. Um, and if we could do a uh, chart of all the different directions this conversation went, um, I, I do look forward to the uh, social distancing while walking <laughs> article, Tom. All right, yeah, this was like this interview was social distancing from a topic for 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Dad.
And Hi, thanks to Dan for joining us and for spending as much time with us as he did. We held on to him for a while. You can listen to Dan's Twins podcast, Puckett Will Do It Live, where they talk about the evil Minnesota Twins on a regular basis. Those loser, no good twins who, if there was ever a reason to hope that there was no baseball in 2020, it would be to slam the Twins title contention window shut. Yeah. Uh, while they're not playing baseball, it gives more the Twins more opportunity to pursue their main passion, which is um, torturing Indiana Jones in a dungeon uh, underneath Target Field. Yes. That's what, that's what they do during their regular time. Mm-hmm. They're, I mean, it's an evil organization filled with evil players who did evil things for a long, long time. And frankly, I'm sick and tired of them getting away with it. And I think that they should all be in prison. <laughs> all right uh time for shout outs i i'm shouting out outcast simply because i've been in an outcast mood the last couple days and listening to a whole lot of outcasts so big boy andre shout out james who's your shout out for um my i, I guess it's weird for a reporter to do this but white Sox pr was extremely helpful in me wanting to write a story about a 20 year old brawl uh where Every player said that they basically got their ass kicked by the Tigers. Um, there was a lot of enthusiasm behind it. it was, I didn't give them a lot of notice, and I had none of these guys' numbers. And they 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 helped make it happen to tell a story about a lot of guys cursing about facing their own mortality uh, on uh, on U.S. Cellular Field uh, 20 years ago today. So I really appreciated the help, and it was it's extremely funny. All right, well. All right. Well, that seems like a, a good place to wrap it up. Uh, thank you again to everybody for listening. Thank you to Dan Hayes for coming on the show again. You can listen to his Twins podcast. Puckett will do it live through The Athletic and all your regular podcast apps. Although, again, the Twins are evil and you shouldn't want anything to do with them. They're bad, bad people. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Stay safe, be healthy, and hopefully baseball will be back sooner than you know. <laughs>